Well, that is replaced now with Hashras Hashchina, the special Siyata Dishmaya, that people who gather together, La Sukhishmatsa and they work out what the halacha is. And you get a special Siyata Dishmaya for Paskaling. And I want to tell you, like, uh, Zalman Hoff once told me a story. I don't know, correct me if I, uh, if I said this last week. You know, I'm getting a bit old, I might have forgotten. What? I didn't say it? No. <laughs> okay. Um, he told me like this, that when Rabbi Roberts became the Rob, there was an older person who would always ask Rabbi Knoblovich, he'd always ask his shyness to Rabbi Knoblovich, and he was, you know, Rabbi Roberts came, he was in his early 30s, so this man felt more comfortable to ask Rabbi Knoblovich a shala. So when he asked him a shala, Rabbi Knoblovich went to Rabbi Roberts and he said to Rabbi Roberts, do you mind if I paskun for this person? You know, he, I've been paskuning for him for many years, etc. So Rabbi Roberts said, you don't have to ask me, you've been the rov here 40 years, you know, you don't have to ask permission of me. He said, no, you're wrong. He says, a rov gets a special siyata dishmaya to paskun. And I only get that when I'm in the position of being rov. I'm now no longer rov, I don't have that same siyata dishmaya, so I've got to ask. And that, that is a true story. Yeah, Zalman. Oh, there you are. You see, that's another proof. Zalman Hoff told me that, and Alan Roseholm confirmed to me that that story is true, and now Jeremy does. Another story, this I read recently, along the same lines of a special Siata Jeshmaya. Ramosha, Ramosha Feinstein, a woman came to him after the war with the following shala, that her husband, you know, was just after the war, and she had got a heter of being, she was an aguna. In other words, her husband was missing, presumed dead, had gone through the camps and so on. And she got a heter to remarry from, he, she didn't say who, from somebody from a, a big paisuk. And now the husband turned up. So she went to Ramosha to present this question, what do I do now? So Ramosha asked her three times to repeat the story. And in the end, he got up and he said, this cannot be true, this story. He says, I have been muttered 2,000 agunas, and not in, one, not in one single case did the husband ever turn up. Not in one case did the husband ever turn up again. It's impossible that this particular Rob, who was a great gone himself, don't know who it was, that he would have passed and, and, and somebody would have turned up. And at which point she admitted, she broke down, and she admitted that she made the story up. In other words, she took the risk of marrying somebody without asking a heter, and that rov had died. So she thought, she'll say that rov gave me a heter because that rov's no longer alive. He couldn't sort of, uh, it, you couldn't disprove it. But Ramosha said, so that was the whole thing because you get a special siyata dishmaya when he was passing that sort of thing. Two, imagine 2,000 agunas and not one, not one, in one, not in one case did the husband turn up. Thought I'd like to share that story with you. Okay, now we'll start from tonight. We're up to if the on the Ches Omad Aleph at the bottom of the daf on the third wide line near the bottom. Om Rav Chia Ba'ami. Ches Omad Aleph. Om Rav Chia Om Rav Chia Ba'ami. Yeah, third wide line at the bottom. Everybody got it? Okay. Omr of Chir Ba'ami Mishmeda Ulla. God will Hanena Mirgia Yosem Yeresha Mine. Greater is the one who works for a living 
greater than a Yerushalayim. Let's just go through the Psukim and then we'll have to try and explain it, what it means. The Inukab Yerushalayim, regarding Yerushalayim, somebody fears heaven, the Posik says, the Posik to Hilim, Ashrei Ish Yoreh Hashem. Praiseworthy is the man who fears Hashem. The Inukab and as regards to somebody who works for a living, Ksiv, it says, as we know in Shemalas, Yigiyah Kapecho Kisoychel, when you eat the labor of your hands, it's got a double loss from there. Ashrecha v'tayvloch. Ashrecha v'olam azeh, v'tayvloch v'olam avoh. Or l'gabi yurei shemayim v'tayvloch v'tayvloch l'oksiv bay. Whereas regarding the yurei shemayim, it doesn't say v'tayvloch. Just as regarding the um, person who's yurei Hashem, it just says ashrei ish yurei Hashem. But here, regarding somebody who works for a living, it says ashrecha v'tayvloch. Ashrecha v'olam azeh v'tayvloch v'olam avoh. A double loss so therefore, it's, such a person is greater. You know, somebody once wrote, somebody once didn't get their daughter into Gateshead Sem. So she wrote a letter and she said, you know, when we were in Gateshead Sem, you told us we've got to marry somebody in learning. So that's exactly what I did. I married somebody in learning and that's why I can't afford the Sem fees. <laughs> she got her daughter in. <laughs> True story. Now, let's let, you know this story, you heard this story as well, Bertie? Yeah. So, Questions we've got to understand. What does this mean here? Somebody who works for a living is greater than a Yerushalayim. First of all, what's the comparison? You know, there's two different types of thing we're talking about. One's a Yerushalayim. So the Mephoshim explained, no, what it means is greater is the one who is a Yerushalayim and he also works for a living greater than a person who's just a Yerushalayim and relies on others. And the question is why? I think one of my, I don't know, Ari, did you tell me that? Ari or Yehuda? I go over the Gemara with Yehuda on Shabbos after, I think he told me, a very good idea. He says like this, if a person is, works for a living, so you think, uh, yes, I work for it, so I, he, in other words, he doesn't believe that it all comes from Hashem. Hashem decides who makes a living, who doesn't make a living. So therefore, somebody who is a Yerushalayim, and somebody who, and he works for a living, in other words, but he, even though he could turn around and say, well, you know, it's due to me, because I work for it, therefore I deserve to earn whatever, whatever I earn. But no, he says, he's a Yerushalayim, he realizes that his panos comes from mine, is greater than the person who's just stuck Yerushalayim and relies on others, because somebody is some Yerushalayim, he's not gonna say, He's got to rely on other people, so it's obvious he will be a Yerushalayim. But somebody who, 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 who's working for a living might turn around and say it's all his doing. So therefore that's what this Mama Chazal means. It doesn't mean somebody who is a work, working is greater than a Yerushalayim. It means somebody who is working and who is a Yerushalayim is greater than a Yerushalayim who has to rely on others. A person should always live in the place of his teacher, of his Rebbe. As long as Shimi ben Gera was alive, Shlomo, who was his Talmud, he did not marry the daughter of Pharaoh. Because the point is like this, if you live in the place where your Rebbe is, 
right, out of respect for your Rebbe, there will be certain things that you don't do. So therefore, that's why you should live in the place for your Rebbe. Answer the Gemara Kashi, Tanya al But we learned in another Brice, uh, that a Talmud should not live in the place of their Rebbe. And for the Gemara, like Kashi, no, it's not a problem. That depends on the relationship that you have with the Rebbe. If you're going to listen to what everything what the Rebbe says, then it's very good that you live in the same area where the Rebbe is. If you're not going to listen to him, then it's better that you don't live... If you're not going to listen to him, then it's better that you don't live in the same area. Because then it's just going to come to conflict. The Rebbe says one thing, and you don't listen. The Rebbe's there. It's, you know, it becomes very uh, uncomfortable. My it says in the Bosamina what as Posik says, the Ozvi Hashem Yichlu. They that leave uh that forsake Hashem Yichlu, they will be consumed. What does this refer to? Poskinishaya, they are near Sefatoyovyse. This refers to somebody who walks out in the middle of lining. The Torah is open and he walks out. So that's what's the Ozve Hashem, you leave where Hashem as represented by the Sefer Torah, then Yechlu. Rabbi Avon, Nofik Ben Gavra Lagavra. Rabbi Avon would go out between Ben Gavra Lagavra, between each Pasha, presumably while the, the Gavra was saying the Mishabayrachs. Right, because at that time the Torah wasn't actually open. They, they, uh, they rolled it. And, in, you know, incidentally, the halacha is, this would be interesting for Gaboim, you don't have to, you only have to roll it together, or you only have to cover it, let's put it that way, it is Mishabayrachs. If you're in a place where there are no Mishabayrachs, you don't, you don't, you could have to roll it, but you don't have to cover it. But, any case, so, boy, Rav Papa, Rav Papa asked the Shala, Ben Psukala Psukha Mahu, can you go out between one Posuk and another? Well, what does that mean between one Posuk and another? It, in the olden days, there was a Maturgaman, there was a translator. So what he means is, while the Maturgaman is translating, are you allowed to go out? And come back, yeah. You, yeah, how you do that, you've got to be very agile to be able to run out and while he's translating the posse and be back for the next posse. But in any case, this, you know, sometimes the Gomorrah asks Shalas, which are not really uh, practical, but you know, what the din? Take him. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's very quick. Take him. Okay, let it, you know. It's a kashu we don't know the answer to. Teku says some of the tishbi yataris boys. You know, Elianovi will answer ask it, answer it when at the time of Mashiach. Okay, Rav Sheshes Mahada Ape Begoris. Rav Sheshes used to turn his face away, and he used to learn Tyra at the time during Kriyas Tyra. Oma, he said, Anan bididom ve'inu we are occupied with our business and they are occupied with their business. That sounds a very strange comment. What does this mean? So let's, if I can draw your attention to Tysus. There's only the top Tysus on Dabches Madalath. Rav Sheshis Mahadeh Ape Vigores. He asks an obvious kasha. The Imtimer. The Omnina Besaita. We say in the Gemara Insaita. Madich Sev is a posset which says in the Chemya. Chopishai Omdoi Kolo Om. And we learn from that, Kevin Shinivtach Seyfatara, once the Seyfatara is opened, also the supper, you can't speak, I feel a bit of alocha, even of alocha. So you can't eat, so Pasha's called to this, you can't learn. So how could Rav Sheshes turn his back on the Seyfatara and learn? It says you're not allowed to do that. 
And the Tosus gives three answers. The Yeshlaiva, one answer is, Hasam Arabakal Rom. When do we say you can't do it? Is if you learn in a loud voice. So you're disturbing the people who are listening to the Kriya Satira. And here of Sheshes, he was saying it quietly, he was learning quietly, not with a loud voice. That's, that's one answer. And then further down in the Torah, it says, Rav Alpha's cost of Tahokasim, Rafashi, Dafkashiyesha, Masora, Achrina, Ozyukhalomot. When do we say that you're not allowed to learn if there's not a minion listening to the Kriya Satira? But here in this case, there was a minion listening. You can't. If there's not ten, you can't. And finally, because since Tarosu Omnoso, which means that's what he did, that was his living, it literally translated means Torah was his living, right? He spent all, all, ta- all the time learning Torah, therefore he was exempt from listening to Kriya Torah. There's another answer as well, which I think is in a way, the best answer of all of them, and Tosas doesn't bring it, is that Rav Sheshus was blind. So Rav Sheshus was blind, so in any case, he, he was exempt. He didn't, he was, there was no khir for him to listen to Kriya Satira, because since he couldn't read, he couldn't look in the Torah, therefore he had no khir of Kriya Satira either. And therefore we can understand this comment at the end. He says, Oma Anan Bididon. We are occupied with our business for anybody to do, and they occupied with their business means I am occupied with Torah Shabal Peh because I don't have a chiv of Torah Shabbat stuff. And they who are listening to the Kriya Torah, they're occupied with Torah Shabbat stuff. Okay. Om Rav Huna by Yehuda Om Rav Ami. La'olam Yashlim Odom Parsh Yosef Matziva. Shnai Mikrov Echotagum. A person should always do together with the Tzibu Shnai Mikro Ve'echotagum okay so Shnai Mikro you read the Posuk twice and the Targum once and it carries on Vafilo Atoros Vedivan this applies even to the words Atoros Vedivan and Atoros Vedivan is in Parshish Mahas so, so what, is, what does this Vafilo Atoros Vedivan mean now Rashi says top Rashi says She'en Boi Targum meaning if you look at the Targum you will see the same words Atoros Vedivan. So therefore, you might think, yeah, you might think, what is the point of saying it a third time? Points like this. You only say Shnayim Mikro twice from the Posuk and once from the Targum. But if the Targum is exactly the same as the Shnayim Mikro, it's like you're saying it three times. You might think you don't have to say it. So the Gemara says, I feel Atoros Vedivan you do. That's what Rashi's Pshat is. Tosha has got a different Pshat. Tosha says, no. I won't go through the Torah, but the Torah says no. I feel that Torah for Divan because there's something called a Targum Yerushalmi. In other words, what he says is the normal Targum is Targum Unkelus. If Targum Unkelus has got the same words as in the Chumash, in other words, it doesn't translate it like a Torah for Divan, then go to another Targum called Targum Yerushalmi. And Targum Yerushalmi translates the words a Torah for Divan and gives different words, Machlelta or Madabeshta. So therefore, Torah is saying, if you haven't got a suitable, or, or if the Targum Unkelus does not translate it, gives the same words, then go to Targum Yerushalmi. But Rashi says, no, even if it's the same words, repeat it a third time. Shekola Mashlim, Parshiosov, Imatzibur, anyone who Mashlim the Parshis with a Tzibur, who does Shnaimik of Echot Targum, he gets a reward, Marichan La Yomov Ushnaisov. He has long days and long years. And perhaps one could say as well, what we said before, that 
perhaps it's midah connected midah because the same way you've got to spend a long, quite a long time you know it takes time so you're prolonging the time that you're spending on your life will be prolonged as well the Ben Yoda says what is this expression of marichin la yomov ushnaisov? His days are lengthened and his years are lengthened. Well, it seems to be the same. If your days are lengthened, your years are lengthened. So he says, so the Ben Yoda says, very important, very interesting point. One is for quantity, one is for quality. You need quantity, a person wants to live till a ripe old age, but you need to have quality as well. If a person is Lailenu, is, is, is an old person, but he's very ill, and he's got nothing, then the quantity without the quality is no good. And, you know, quality as well, without the quantity, you know, if, if you have a marvellous life, but a person, you know, is nifty young, is also no good. So you need both quantity and quality, and that's Marich and Loyom of Um Rabbibi Barabaya Sovel Ashlamin and the Pashtias is a Kulashata of Malazi Yomikapurim. Rabbibi Barabaya, he wanted to finish the whole Shnaimik of Echotagum in one go on Erevium Kippur. Because he wanted a schus, Yom Kippur was coming. And he wanted a schus before Yom Kippur, so he wanted to do Shnaim Mikro Ve'echotagum on Erev Yom Kippur. Tonle Chiyabar of Difti, Chiyabar Rav from Difti, said to him, said to this Rabbibi Barabaya, he quoted him the following Brysa. See if it says in the Posuk, the inisem es nashesechem, and you shall afflict your souls, but tisha lachadish be'erev, on the ninth day, ninth day of the month, in other words, ninth of Tishri, but erev in the evening. Now we know what that really means is, when is inui, but tisha lachadish be'erev, on the ninth month, in the evening. So it means really on the evening of the tenth. But it's said in an unusual way, it mentions but tisha lachadish, so the Gemara says, v'chi betisha misanin, I do, do you serve, do you, do you fast on the ninth? You, you, you fast on the tenth. So why does it mention in the posset the ninth? And I'm enough to tell you, if you eat and drink on the ninth, so you're preparing for the tomorrow's tanas, the posset treats as if you fasted the ninth and on the tenth. So what does that, this tell us that on the ninth and on the ninth you're busy? You should be busy eating and drinking, preparing for the tamas. Not saying shnai mikra echotago. So he said he wanted to say shnai mikra echotago on erev kippur. So uh, so chia barav says I'm sorry, you've got other things to do on erev kippur. On erev kippur you've got to spend time eating and drinking, preparing for the tamas. Sorry. Yeah, kolatayra. He wanted to do. The whole Shnai Mikra Echotag on the Erev Kippur. I don't know whether he'd have enough time for it. But certainly, if he did the mitzvahs of the day of eating and drinking, he certainly wouldn't have enough time for it. So, so, so instead, Sovala Akdiminu, he wanted to read, so, so he was told you can't do Erev Kippur. So he, was, he wanted to read the Torah, I'm not quite sure, it's a bit unclear in the Gemara why he wanted to do this. And he wanted to complete it over one or two weeks. Rashi says, he wanted to do it wholesale. Instead of doing it each week, he wanted to do it in one hit. Why? Erim Kippur, I understand. Because he wanted to have the schus before Yom Kippur. But why he particularly wanted to do this in one or two weeks, I don't know. But anyway, that's what he wanted to do. 
Omelehu Saba, a certain elder said to him, and sometimes the Omelehu Saba is, is, can sometimes mean Eliyahanovi. To Nina, we've learned in the Bryce of Vulvad, Shalayaktim, Shalayachah. When you do Shnamik of Echot Agum, you can't do it before the time or after the time. In other words, before the time, Rashi uh, uh, brings, or Tysus brings, when is before the time? Before the time is from Shabbos Mincha onwards. Even though for certain things, the next week doesn't start till Wednesday. For example, you can make Abdullah till Tuesday. The next week doesn't start till Wednesday. But when it comes to Shnaimik of Echotagum, since you've said already this, that next week, Sedra, you've, you've lied till Shani and Shabbos Mincha, that is the time when you can start saying it. So Bilvad Yaktim, but you can't start before Shabbos Mincha. And you can't delay it either. What is the delay? If you look, if I can draw your attention to the Tosas Yashlim Pasha Yosef in Matziba, about halfway down, it says, Azman Hashloma, to when have you got to say the Shnaimik Kavechotagum, the Medrash it brings, Gimel Devorim Sivar Abenu HaKodesh, Lebonov, Bashar Shenifta. As he was dying, Rabbeinu HaKodesh, Ruda Nossi, he said his three, he told his three sons, and one of them was, Shall I toichlu lechem? You shouldn't eat, Bashabas. Don't eat bread on Shabbos. In other words, don't have a suit on Shabbos. Until you finish So implied from there that you have to finish it before eating on Shabbos. However, Tosas says, if you finish it after eating it's also Remember, a person's, you know, he's hungry when he comes home from shul. Right? And there's also a thing that you shouldn't fast on Shabbos and so on, but beyond a certain time, beyond, beyond Chatzos. The preferred way to do it is to finish it off before the meal. Uh, but you can even finish it off afterwards and you can finish it off even up to Simchas Tyra as well. Okay. Now, what we said is now, now we're going to learn the Gemara now is that Rabbi Shur ben Levi, he gave certain instructions to his sons. And because one of them is about Shnaimik of Echotagum, that's why we went mention it here. Because the Omni Rubi Shurman Levi Libnei, as Rubi Shurman Levi instructed his sons, Ashlimu Pasha Saichu Imatsibu, Shnaimik of Echotagum, do Shnaimik of Echotagum. That was the first thing that he told his children. Second of all, he said, Vizaru Babridin Kreb Yehuda, when you shecht a bird, a chicken, Cut the veridin. We'll explain in a minute what that means. It's now because we learned in the Mishnah. It's a mission in Chulin. Rabbi Huda, I'm Rabbi Huda says, In other words, even though if you've done a proper shrita on the chicken, you can't eat it until you've cut the veridin. The question is, what is the veridin? Rashi holds the veridin is the jugular vein. Right? And the, and the, and the Rambam says it's the carotid arteries. The carotid arteries are, you know, if, if you put your finger over there, you can feel something knock it, a pulse. That's the carotid artery. The jugular vein, I'm not 100% sure. Does anyone know where the jugular vein is? And because the point is like this, it's not part of the shrita, but the point is, it, by cutting it, it helps the drain, it helps the blood to drain, to come out. And therefore, this Rabbi Huda said it's an extra thing, even though you don't have to do it, it's not part of Shrita. But his Zorob of Ridin also cut these things in order that the blood, in order that the blood should drain. Now, quite. Pardon? That's for Shrita. That's for Shrita. 
Yes, that's right. But so Rabbi Yehuda is adding on and said, not as part of Shechita, but something else that you should do in order that all the blood should drain, you should cut this bridge in as well. And that's what Rabbi Yehuda said. It's not, it's not that it's, it's not kosher not to have it. You've done your Shechita and it's okay. But in order that the blood should drain, you should cut the bridge in as well. And he says the reason why, why do you just dafka say it with the, um, with the chicken? Why not with a sort of an animal? Because with an animal, you cut it up into pieces. Once you cut it up into pieces, the blood drained any case. But it's only a chicken that you might have whole, and therefore, in order for the blood to drain, you've got to cut these reading. That, that's what Rabbi Huda said to his son. Another thing that, that, uh, that Rabbi Shua ben Levi said, And be careful to give respect and covered to a Tamil Chochem who has forgotten his Torah learning Rashi says Rashi says Machmas Ansar Shechola either he became unwell and he forgot his learning or he was so busy trying to make a living right he, he, he didn't have enough time to spend time learning and he forgot his learning nevertheless he's you should still be Machabat him Right? What's his proof? To Amrinam, because we say, Luchos, Veshivrei Luchos, Menachem Ba'aren. The, 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 what happened was, there was the first Luchos, and remember, Moshe Rabbeinu came down the mountain, when he saw the eagle, he, he threw it down, and he smashed it into pieces. And then the second, he came down with the second Luchos. He says, in the Oren was not only the second Luchos, which were complete, but the Shivrei Luchos, the, the, the pieces which had been smashed into pieces, were also in the Oren. So it shows that even the smashed pieces have also got to be given cover to them because they're in the orange. So similarly as well, a person is, uh, who, has, who was a Talmud Chochon but had gotten his learning is compared to the Shivrei Luchas. And therefore you should give him respect again. So, so just to review, we, we said that Rabbi Shur ben Levi, he gave three instructions. The first one was Shnai Mikrav Echotagum, which is what, because we just learned that now. One is this viridin that you should cut the, the, the jugular vein, carotid arteries, etc., in order for the blood to drain. And third of all, finally, is be care, be, give cover to a, a Talmud Chochum who's forgotten his learning. So now that we had what Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi discussed with his, we told, um, instructed his three sons, we now have three things which Robert instructed his sons. Omnu Rav Lebnei, Rav said to his sons, "Kashatim chaytchim bosa." When you cut meat, al tachatchu al gavayad. Don't cut it on your hand. Why? In other words, cut it on the table or cut it on a board or something like that. Iked omnim shum sakona. Either because of sakona, you can cut your hand, or the iked omnim shum kilkos uda. Even if you're not worried about cutting your hand, or you might even get you might even get a small cut or something like that. Um, Nevertheless, the people who are sitting around, they see blood go on the field, on the, uh, what do you call it, on the, on, on the food, will be, uh, you know, will be upset about it. So that's another reason why you should not have, um, why you should cut, not on your hand, but on the board. Another thing is, this is the second thing that Robert said to, his, said to his children, do not sit on the bed of an Aramean woman. I think it generally is referring, it, it, Aramean means a non-Jewish woman. For Alta, and the third thing was, for Alta, and which the Gemara will explain in a minute, don't pass behind the shul when the shul, when the tzibah when are davening, because it looks as if you're not interested in davening, you're passing by them and you're not bothering to go in.
Now the Gemara explains what does it mean, Malteshwal Mitras Aramis. There's three explanations. Ikita Amr, some say it means, Laitiknu Balaikriyashama. This Alteshwal Mitras Aramis doesn't mean literally, don't sit on the bed of an, an Aramean woman. It means, Laitiknu Balaikriyashama. Don't go to sleep without Kriyashama, because if you go to sleep without Kriyashama, it's like, as, like a Goisha bed if you want. Right? Want to make it a Jewish bed? You say Kriyashima. So that's what it means. Alteshwal mitar ramis. Don't go to sleep without saying Kriyashima. The Ikhda Omra and others say, You shouldn't marry a Giyaris. Now remember, Rava said this to his sons because Rava and his sons were Kayanim. And a Kayan cannot marry a Giyaris. So, he's not saying that for everyone. The Ikhda Omra and the others saying, Aramis Mamish. means don't sit on the bed of an Aramean woman. Why? Because of the following story that happened to Rapopa. Rapopa Ozil the Gabi Aramis. Rapopa once went to the home of this woman. And the reason why he went was because he had lent this woman money. And it was, it was outstanding, the loan. He came to collect it. She brought out a bed for Rapopa. She said to him, down, sit down. He said to her, I'm not going to sit down. Until you lift up the bed, so I can see what is underneath. He biased a mitter or motsusham tinnik mace. She lifted the bed up, and there was a dead child there. It was her child. Based on this, the chacham said, "Oseleshev amitah ramis." Don't sit on the bed of, of an aramim because of what had happened. Now, why did she do this? That that child had obviously died, but she wanted him to sit down. And then she could turn round and ask and say, look what you've done, you've killed my child. And there would be a sort of a gushray, you can imagine what a fuss that would be made. And meanwhile, the loan that she had to, to, uh, Rapopa would be, would be completely forgotten. Because it would be overtaken by events, but much more important events of the, uh, of, of this murder, alleged murder. So therefore, Alteshwa Mitar Ramis, don't do that. Now we come to the second one. And don't pass behind the shul when the people are doubling. This lends support to what Rabbi Shua ben Levi says. Don't pass behind the shul when the sibur is davening because it appears like you're running away from the shul. Says the Gemara, Omar Baya, Velay Omron. And we only say that only when there is no other door. But if there's another door, then we're not worried about it. Because if he goes past one door, we're not going to say he's not interested in coming to Dublin and Shul, but he's, perhaps he's going in the second door. And we also don't say that where there are no other shuls. You know, even in the smallest place, they have two shuls. You know, one where you dub and one where you don't. But if there's a place where there's only one shul, then you've got a, then, then there's a point because, you know, if he runs away, he walks past it and he doesn't come in, then he's not interested in the shul. But that's, but where there is another shul, let's lump up because if anyone sees him going past, they'll say, alright, he's not coming to this shul, but he's gonna come, he's going go to another shul, okay? But like Amran Tuna, we don't say this rule except where one is not carrying a load. For like right, noisy running, 
nor is he wearing tefillin. But in a case where he's doing one of those things, either he's carrying a load, or he's running, or he's got tefillin on, then we don't have to worry if he passes a shawl. Why is that? Because if he is carrying a load, then you can see the reason why he doesn't come into shul, it's not because he doesn't want to come into shul or he doesn't want to daven, but because he's busy, he's also for somebody, he's, he's, he's got a load on his shoulder. Or if he's running, he's running to go somewhere, something, somewhere he's going to go, it's not because he doesn't want to go to shul. And similarly, if you see somebody with tefillin on, then it means you, you, you can't say he's obviously accepting Omar Shemayim by wearing tefillin, so he's not running away that he doesn't want to go into shul, so under those circumstances if you see him going past then uh, then then it's, that's a different thing it's not a problem when we say it only means where he's got nothing where you can't put it down to anything there's only one shawl and there's only one door and he doesn't look like he's busy with anything else and then he walks past then you shouldn't do it Tanya Bryce says Omra Bikiva there are three things I like about the Modeum. They cut meat, they cut only on a table, as we said before. Either because of Sakona, or because it's not very pleasant for the people who are seeing blood on, a, on, on food. When they kiss, they only kiss on the hand. Rashi says, as Yad Nashik, but Derech Hashivasu, there, it's Derech Hashivasu, show the importance, Mipnea Roik, because it can sometimes be unpleasant, because you can leave, if you, if you kiss on the, on, on the, on the cheek, or on the mouth, whatever it is, they can leave traces of saliva. So it's not so hygienic, not so, uh, pleasant. Oshriyaitzim, Einyaitzim, Elo Basode. If they, basically, if you're discussing something important, something secretive, do it only in the field. It doesn't mean literally in the field. It means go to somewhere where people can't hear you. And Rashi says a very interesting thing. Elobasode, the Omra Incha, people say, Oznaim Lakhoisel, walls have ears. Right? As we know, if you, so be careful if you're discussing something which is private and you don't want other people to hear, so go, you know, sort of go in the field or go somewhere where, where other people can't hear it. Omra Vada Bahava, Vada Bahava says, we can back it out with the posuk. My crow, the posuk says, When Yaakov decided that he wanted to leave Lovon after he'd been there for so many years, and he wanted to leave Lovon, which was sort of a, literally a life-changing decision, and obviously he didn't want everyone to hear about it, not only Lovon, he didn't want to hear about it, but he didn't want Lovon's sons or the servants that might go back to Lovon. He wanted to discuss it privately, so he took them out to the field. And that's where we learn it from. That's the posit to tell you, if you've got something private to discuss, go and discuss it in the field. Tanya. There are three things I like about the Persians. They're modest in their eating. Ben Yodel says that they used to eat privately, not in front of in front of people. Utsnuim bebeisa kisse, they're modest when they're on the beisa kisse. Utsnuim bedova acha, they're also modest when it comes to marital relations. The Apostle says, I need sivesi lumukudoshai. I have commanded, lumukudoshai means my prepared ones. As we say in the Apostle, it says, his kadshu lemocha. So, lumukudoshai can be prepared as well. 
Tony Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef learnt the following Brisa Ela Pasim Hamukadoshim Umzamonim Lekahelam. This refers to the Persians who are prepared and they're ready for Gehenim. In other words, they deserve Gehenim. And the point is of the Gemara is saying like this. Although they were not particularly good people, and therefore they deserved Gehenim, there's still praise for the matters in which they did excel. They would snoo in in those streams. So in other words, you learn a, a sort of a lesson for life there. You know, anyone, no one is all bad or all good, right? If somebody, even if somebody's got bad points, they'll always have good points. So here as well, we say, even though the Persians were wicked people, but we give them credit where credit is due because of their sneers. I think we should leave it here tonight because this is a completely new sort of part of the Gomorrah. It's not continuation. So I wish you all a very good Yontuf and uh, we'll meet after Yontuf.